All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. We'd love you to support this show. Please like, follow, and subscribe to us on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Your likes and subscription helps us to grow and attract interviews and content. So please retweet and share our posts. Your contributions are appreciated. Welcome to episode 452 of the Kiss of a Hue podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill. We are back on Skype. We are not live, but we're still alive uh, today. I've got hopefully Lonnie showing up, but he's uh, held up right now. So uh, we'll see if he's able to make it today. And if not, uh, who day? Go Bengals. Um, Marcus Almighty Mark. And the voice of reason. Who, uh, Hello. Or... Sometimes the voice of reason. Sometimes, not always. <laughs> yeah, Ken. Good to see you guys. Um, so what news? Episode 2 of Demo Stories dropped every Sunday through March the 19th. A new episode's going to appear. They're between 15 minutes and 20, all focusing solely on a single song out of the KISS catalog. Uh, this year's second series has a theme. You'll see if you can determine what that is, perhaps, after the season is done. Um, I'm just about done writing the very last one. Niner in the can, ready to go. This last one is actually, it's going to be episode 8. Uh, it just happened to end up being last. But um, while working on the last three, I kind of got inspiration for another se- season or series of them. So we'll see if I turn that into more episodes down the road because it takes about um, probably four hours mm. just to write what fifteen minutes and then turn it into something that's not just not readable but speakable. And then when I record it, I have to comp together my fucking sentences like an ace Frehley guitar solo <laughs> it's horrendous <laughs> you know just you, you think anyone can read um but it's much more difficult than it seems and I, I think probably the most difficult part of recording these fucking things is finding a time in the day where the neighbor i, I think i've got gary living upstairs because they're always moving furniture around no matter what the time of day is or there's sirens or there's garage door openings or there's the fucking elevator slipping um mm, nice the elevator has a backbone and its backbone slips repeatedly throughout the day so yeah. uh, you know what I've, ha- I've had a lot of fun doing these but it, it is a very time and intensive task so um what was the last one was uh car jam 1981 whack yes. heaven whack its real title yes can i can i just say that i think that these are absolutely fantastic and for all you people listening and watching the podcast you really 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 should check these out i mean honestly they are one of the favorite things that i look forward to when they get uploaded i really enjoy them and for all you people who want to know all this little minutia about kiss stuff check them out they're really really good and honestly 15 minutes anybody can find 15 minutes in a day or 20 minutes to, to listen to these things they are fantastic so i i highly endorse them Sonic Amouge Bouches. That's how I like to think of them. Um, what, I, what was I doing today? Yeah, they're not all-inclusive either. They don't have absolutely everything. I'm trying not to just bombard with minutia. There's one I got finishing finished doing today, and I was like, oh, I didn't mention that it was on double platinum. I was like, yeah, whatever. If you don't know that, well, I think the rest yeah. of the minutia might be interesting, so... We shall see. Uh, anyone, anyone purchased any Kiss stuff this week, Ken? Uh, or has it been fifteen days since your last Kiss purchase? There's no, well, there's nothing new and exciting available to uh, nothing purchase. has been announced. Nothing. There's all silence on the Western Front. Waiting for front. the thirtieth of the month, I guess. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. what are they waiting for? Some more European dates uh, did drop. Um, mm-hmm. South America's filled out as well with quite a few Brazilian shows. Um, so the year now is starting to get filled in in terms of live performances on the road. What was it? Um, one festival in Europe <clears throat> now has uh, Kiss playing with the Darkness. Oh, um, yes. And a couple of other bands, which looks yeah. like a pretty tasty lineup, uh, mm-hmm. but also does kind of suggest that... Uh, getting some bigger name stature to continue rolling the kiss tank through um, the world is going to help, but it's also going to be good as an end result. Um, 
Mark. Yes. Speaking of things that we bought, I did want to mention one thing. This is not Kiss, but it's sort of Kiss related oh, because this, cool. this person who I'm going to mention uh, as a huge Kiss fan, and uh, for all you podcasting people out there, you must remember the Shabby Road Record Show, one of my favorite podcasts that I used to watch religiously all the time. Uh, A.D. Adams and Ryan McKay were the main guys behind that. And Ryan McKay, fantastic musician, as is A.D. Uh, Ryan's put out a solo album called Ryan McKay and the Broken Brains. This is their first, his first album. Uh, hmm. Fantastic artwork done by his daughter, I believe. Daughter, I can't remember. I'm sorry, Ryan, I can't remember who it was. But the, the family, it's, this is fully family integrated as far as artwork goes. It's on a nice kind of purple vinyl to it has a nice oh, it shows the dust insert does mm -hmm. it have a does it have an appropriate dust sleeve for the mark collection yes it does it has an anti-static <laughs> sleeve and, ah. and, and i'll and i'll tell you one thing i got a little note from ryan as well and it's funny because you mentioned here's a nice purple vinyl oh that looks okay. good I like that color it's it's very nice and he gave me a little note this also comes i'm not sure if it comes with the poster but i ended up being lucky enough to get this fantastic poster that was drawn Again, by I think either his daughter or his son, very like Japanese anime. Anime style. Yeah, that's very that's very manga, anime. Yes, and there's a nice little note that, that was on here that I got. Now, of course, it fell off of here. Now, of course, of course, when I want to show it, oh, here it is. It's right here. <laughs> I'll read it first, and I'll show you. That I'm not bullshitting you. It says, "Mark, thank you for your inspiration. Project Gemini gets it right, Ryan." Uh -huh. Nice. Okay, so I know that he's been following me for a long time as far as musically it goes. So it really makes me feel humbled that some of my records have actually inspired people to step out and make their own music as well. Uh, I never thought that when I started making music years and years ago that that would ever happen. So thank you, Ryan, for saying that and for making me feel like making music is touching people in more ways than one. So I, I thought it would be important to say, because like I said, Ryan was a great, is a great friend. And uh, the podcast, unfortunately, isn't running anymore. I wish they would go back and do them. I really enjoyed them, but uh, I just thought it was worth uh, talking about. And if you're wondering what it's like, picture Queen meets Cheap Trick meets Kiss. That's exactly what this music sounds like. So you're going to do a review for the Look It's Rock and Roll podcast, or yes. you're going to do it for yourself? Uh, no, I'm going to do it for the... I was actually going to talk to you about that to see if it was all right if I actually did a review of it for do it. Do it. So I think I will. I mean, yeah. what what more perfect thing to do a quick self-review, uh, you know, sell a review of is listen to the music and then uh, talk about the packaging and do do your thing on it. We need more episodes like that. Uh, the, the last episode was uh, the Wasp review, so it uh, be good mm. to break up some of the Wasp episodes with other bands uh, before, we, <laughs> yeah. before we get back into um, that album catalog with that. Andy and Bill, so which reminds me, I got to send Bill his prize still from the Kiss FAQ podcast um, for last prize. I still haven't shipped out to him, so better get that shit sorted. You mentioned podcasts, so that's a nice segue into just another bit of information. Podcast 196 dropped, and that is, of course, a very timely episode. It's from the dolls to the daisy, uh, me, Ken, and Gary Schaller. Um, from three years ago we recorded this in january uh 2020 i nearly said 1920 but it feels that long ago that we did the episode and you know that was right before covid and all the shit hit the fan and at the time we were doing these dives into history you know we, we gave birth to what was it four episodes uh kind of long form spoken bios and then went into a kind of round tables on certain topics and this would, took us up to the first show and i was cleaning up my computer and i found the episode and i started editing it finally put it together and then i went to check podcast to make sure we hadn't already put it out um and unfortunately we hadn't so now as the 50th anniversary of kiss's first show which is basically their birthday the day they presented themselves on stage is the day mm -hmm. that you can really say that Kiss was born rather than maybe getting inseminated when Ace joined the band, you know, all, all the, mm -hmm. that other ways of looking at it. But talking about the 50th anniversary of the band, 
is that her first performance date what you consider to be Kiss's 50th birthday and, and the anniversary? Mm. Or is there some other date that you think uh, supersedes it and is more important in terms of history? John? <laughs> I hear as the car drives by. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I guess it's, it's a good, yeah representation of being you know 50 years uh that's really where they performed as kiss as under the name kiss uh their first you know show so yeah i can go with that i kind of going back though you know the other option would be you know the first uh, album release kind of thing and that's their first entry into people can you know buy their album of music and you know, that sort of thing um so it'd be one or the other for me but I, I think it makes sense that it's it's probably uh uh you know in what 73 um or january 73 so yeah we're, we're really into the period you know they come up with the idea for kiss when they decide that they're miserable and wicked lester you know, that to me is where conception yeah. takes place, where Gene and turns to Paul and says, let's get rid of the rest of the guys. Uh, we need to rethink this. Screw, mm -hmm. screw the record deal. We're not going to release that album. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and all, all the shit that happens uh, around that scene. And then they're gestating throughout the, you know, autumn of 1972 with Peter Woodshedding, you know, uh, Strutter's born, Firehouse is born, Deuce is born, um, you know, Baby Let Me Go, or Let Me Go Rock and Roll is born. <laughs> All of those songs are born in that era. And then they say, well, we need one more little ingredient. We need a little bit of Gendelian semen mixed <laughs> into this. Um <laughs> You know, and then they give birth on the 30th. So for me, this is the 50th anniversary coming up on Monday. It's a massively important day to me. It's the day where the clouds part, the light and sunshine comes through, the angels hearken, uh, <laughs> and Gene nice. Simmons belches fire. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, do you, do you consider it the 50th anniversary or, there is a, or is there a more important date uh, to kind well, of look at? Well, I think it's I think it's a good point to start for Kiss fans because I mean let's put it this way I can't think of many other bands out there uh, unless you're a really really hardcore fan of a particular band where where you think about and know the actual starting first concert date of that band you know what I mean like I don't think if you ask you know people who are like tragically hip fans you know what was the very first show they ever played you know most fans wouldn't probably know that. But a lot of KISS fans, I think, would know, you know, that they played, you know, the Coventry at this time uh, or whatever, wherever they played first, you know, Popcorn or whatever the hell it was called before. Uh, but I think that that's an important date for sure, because, it, like you said, it marks the first time they played proper as KISS. But I understand what Ken's saying in the sense that for most people in the general public, the, the release date of the first record would probably signify the introduction to that band to the world in general so both dates are valid but I, I think as kiss fans i think we can stand on the idea of having the first show as marked as the important starting point so lonnie lonnie's able to join us lonnie welcome to the show good to see you again um the question that i'm throwing around the table here is is that i consider monday the 30th of january to be kiss's birthday their 50th anniversary because that's the date that they first perform well performed their first show um even though they'd gotten together you know late in 72 and uh ace had joined in december blah 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 but because it's their first you know show in, in the public as Kiss, that's the birthday to me. What I was asking everyone is whether they think there's a more appropriate date to be celebrating the 50th or whether you'll be acting like a Bengals fan on Monday. If the Bengals won the Super Bowl and Kiss is <laughs> celebrating their 50th on Monday, you'd be celebrating with the same ecstasy. Well, well, if, if the Bengals win Sunday and they get a trip to the Super Bowl, I, I don't... I, I think I... As much as I am a KISS fan, I think I'll be a little more excited for the Bengals trip to the Super Bowl on Monday than the 50th anniversary of KISS. Have they ever been to but, a Super Bowl? 
Yeah, it went last year. Oh, well, it shows how much I... If Tom's not playing... Two others I, and, yeah. and what the two the others 80s, lost too. to Ken's 49ers in the 80s, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it wasn't Tom Brady, therefore it doesn't count. Sorry. Sorry. Doesn't um, count. But, but no, it is the... It is the I, I'm in complete agreement that January 30th is Kiss's birthday, and I think in the eyes of a lot of Kiss Army members that that is the agreed-upon date. Um, and, and maybe for some it's the release of the maybe maybe for maybe if you dial it back a little bit and it's not the the super FAQ fans everybody watching this everybody listening to Kiss podcasts and just trying to Wait, digest there, there are fans on the FAQ not just haters <laughs> people people who people unlike us who aren't just trying to digest every little possible nugget they can get every day some people may consider. February seventy four when the first album came out the the anniversary of Kiss but I think but I think that the majority of the Kiss Army though or at least the the Uber fans of the Kiss Army agree that that January thirtieth is the official birthday of Kiss. I mean February the eighth is a is a good date to celebrate as well for the fiftieth anniversary of the release of the first album. It's not the eighteenth. Could be January the twenty sixth. Let's not get into that argument. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't want to. I don't want to hear those two lunatics screaming on either side of me. Wait, no, no, whatever. Um, it doesn't matter, you know how you celebrate um, Kiss. I think Monday is going to be something worth celebrating. I want to just read the set list from that first first ever Kiss show right. because it actually says um, they played t- apparently. Excuse me. They play two sets at night. The first set, Deuce. First ever Kiss song performed. Mm-hmm. I wonder it's my favorite. Uh, watching you. Love her all I can. She, simple type, keep me waiting. So uh, a four a four banger of Kissified Wicked Lester songs. Uh, Once You Beside Me, which is, of course, Life in the Woods. Um, Baby Let Me Go, which is Let Me Go Rock and Roll. Firehouse and Black Diamond. And then the late set kicked off with Deuce again. Um, Love her all I can. She wants you beside me. Simple type. Keep me waiting. Baby, let me go. And watching you. And those are from the handwritten notes that appeared in history that are attributed to that very first set uh, or night at the Coventry January the 30th. I mean, that's a pretty fucking badass set when you think of how, how many songs they are still performing today. Mm live in concert that they performed at their very first show. Aerosmith, you know, as contrast, isn't still doing Moving Out very often, or Somebody very often, and both of those they did very early on. Um, Certainly, they did Somebody at their first show. Um, But that's impressive. I mean, the four-banger of Wicked Lester songs, I mean, that's a great fucking set. I'm going to build a Spotify playlist of those songs to listen to on Monday. But how how will you mark Monday? I mean, are you going to do anything to kind of celebrate it yourself? Are you going to watch a video? Or are you um, going to go on the FAQ and annoy someone? Or, or what? Um, Lonnie, if you don't have that a hangover... <laughs> if you don't have a hangover... Well, you're going to have a hangover either I'm way. Hangover one way or the other. Yeah, so how, how are you going to celebrate Kiss Day? I still will, no matter no matter what happens on Sunday. I still will celebrate, you know, the, the 50th anniversary. Because that is monumental. Not only for the fact that it was 50 years ago, but the fact that we're, we're that we're still going, and 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 like the four of us are still here talking about it, and and people are are li- like wanting more information, want to hear about Kiss 50 years later. That's that's really impressive. Um, and if you would have told me. 23 years ago, back in 2000, when they were doing the farewell tour, we would still be here talking about them, and they'd still be touring. <laughs> you know, it, it's it's crazy. It it really is. Um, still saying farewell 23 years say, later. Still saying still saying farewell. <laughs> and it's funny, like if you watch those old farewell tour shows, like Paul does, like a little speech in the middle of them, says, "All oh, for 27 years, this band, blah 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 blah." And, and here we are, it almost almost double that. Um, it's kind of crazy, um, but I but I you know I think for the 50th anniversary, you know, I think I might I might pull out my my Wicked Lester album, 
I might pull out my my original album, you know, and I might pull out. Um, you look good. Maybe. Well, depends. <laughs> depends on how Sunday goes. Funeral. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I think I'll go. I think I'll grab Kissology Volume Three that has that really, really early show on it. Coventry. I, I think that'd be very appropriate for my. Yeah, I was watching that today, and I'm, before I get to the other guys, one thing that struck me on that is uh, there's a thread on the FAQ about the station fire. I remember what happened oh, yeah. there with yeah. uh, Great White and mm-hmm. uh, Great Loss of Life. I think it was Rhode Island. Um, Peter Chris, I only noticed it today, did his freaking rocket sticks in that low ceiling club and Gene Breeze fire in mm-hmm. that club. I mean, it really was <clears throat> a, a lackadaisical mm-hmm. attitude towards safety back in the day. I mean, it was <laughs> all, all bets were off, weren't it, Mark? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's funny because uh, when you read about that, they're saying that these guys, you know, weren't even really properly, properly like licensed people to fire off this stuff later on, even when they did their homemade pyro with those guys, right? Uh, it's 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 insane that they did that uh, because you can see how easy it is, how easy it is to light up a ceiling like that. I mean, having played a few dumps in my time for sure. Uh, you look at some of the ceilings on there and some of them are like half falling down and there's like, you know, old rotted uh, egg cartons on the top for some sort of, you know, sound insulation. I don't know how, why they think egg cartons do anything except just stink the place out. Uh, but it's, you can, you can honestly catch fire very easy. And the fact that it took that long to have a major fire like that, I'm absolutely in shock because I've been to a few gigs I played with, uh, with a, for example, there was a band called Razor. I'm sure you guys have heard of those guys, a uh, Canadian thrash band. And they had their guy who was their pyro guy, and he set up their pyro in the front. And this guy was not licensed at all. I don't even think he had a driver's license, let alone a pyro license. And he he was firing off this stuff at the front of the stage. And, I mean, how he didn't blow up half of us on stage, I don't know, or half of the band on stage, I don't know. That just it's very dangerous to, to use this stuff if you don't know what you're doing with it and you know let's just let's just consider ourselves lucky that peter didn't set off a fire or gene didn't set off a fire in the club in the early days and we didn't have any kiss well they to did talk about oh i mean they did set well, off I mean, fires i, 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 I mean fire yeah well they they burned black oaks um you know backdrop they a fire got started in Baltimore that made the national press. I mean, it even made the European press about the band who was sending the country up in smoke, literally and figuratively. I mean, it really is freaking nuts. So, um, Ken, that set list, I mean, how, how are you going to celebrate it? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll probably you know, listen to something or watch a video, do something, you know, uh, on the day. I may just you know, play Alive 2, which was my first purchase, you know, um, uh, of Kiss. Um, but, yeah, who knows? It'll be something for sure uh, on that day because it marks a you know, cool anniversary. And who knows? Uh, maybe Kiss will do something special on their Kiss Online. <laughs> <laughs> I got a Dubai DVD for you right here, Ken. Wow. He shouldn't be the voice of reason. The, the he should be the ever optimistic. The voice of delusion. <laughs> they'll have something delusion, special yeah, celebrating their, their 30th anniversary. Maybe they'll have some uh, cool merch. or a video we've never seen before. They're special just release. Kiss Online. Oh. Celebrating the 50th anniversary. <laughs> who knows? I don't know. Maybe they'll announce some dates, U.S. dates. Yeah, no, maybe. that's possible. That'd they'll, be, they'll, that'd they'll, maybe they'll cool. announce some other way to empty your fucking wallet. How about that? Ah. Probably do that first. That's... Yeah, yeah. Um, otherwise, yeah. So I'll probably listen to something or watch a video or you know this or that. Um, definitely. Um, as for that, you know, the other thing about Great White, it caught me thinking. That, you know, I saw the Great White a, a number of times, but one time I saw them in a little club. It actually. <laughs> Thinking about oh. that now in a club, it was in uh, San Ramon, if mm-hmm. you know where that is. Um, uh, Julian probably knows, but uh, and well, maybe not. I don't so go out. It's not that far. It's just about twenty-five minutes away from from here. So, 
Um, it was a small club, kind of like a, it was a restaurant, but they had this little area and a small stage. I remember standing right in front, uh, watching, you know, they were right, right in front of me, but I don't remember, the thing is, I don't remember if they shot any, did any, uh, fireworks or anything. I don't think they did at that time. And I think it was still before that disaster that happened. I think it is, but yeah, it was before that. So I'm starting to feel lucky that they survived <laughs> it. I survived their show. Was it was it one of those small restaurants like when in the middle of the band playing you hear over the PA like table seven your chicken in a basket is ready? <laughs> yeah, uh, no, it was. I, I don't know. I don't remember that. The I don't Lord of the Parashkis. I don't remember people eating around or anything like that. So. Oh, by the way, I didn't get to say what I was going to do. I was talking about Pyro the whole time. So, yeah, I'll probably watch Coventry as well. I, I really enjoyed that early footage of that stuff. And probably spin the first record. Fire. Fire. Yeah, we like fire. All right, so let's let's move on. Yeah, we got called out on that last episode that we did where Hotter Than Hell went up against uh, mm. Animal Eyes. And, and I think, um, you know, the first comment that really came up was, did you guys miss Parasite? I think that's Julian, you forgot Parasite. No, I didn't. One album, one album had nine songs, one album had ten. So Parasite was the one left in the barrel that got an automatic pass into the into the leftovers around um a couple of comments to read from that uh you guys are out of your minds would let me go rock and roll i've had enough it's beyond superior just like deuce when you guys did the first record mark is spot on when you guys are focused on a live and not the actual record um yeah could be I, i i mean when it comes to a song like let me go rock and roll i'm not gonna vote for I've had enough into the fire over what I consider to be cat classic core catalog songs, regardless of what's imprinted on my mind. Um, I listened to all two minutes and 14.5 seconds of its glory uh, today. And, and yeah, I've had enough is a more pleasurable listening experience, but it's just <laughs> impossible. I'm not voting for eighties over 70s when it's that matchup um lonnie any did you have any rethink on that uh, no i completely agree I, mean, I i voted for let me go also i said it was tough because <laughs> i do like i do like i've had enough into the fire but i cannot pick it over let me go rock and roll it is such a classic it's such a staple and i don't care that i'm just talking about the higher than hell version i will still pick let me go rock and roll. All right, voice of reason. Time to rethink revisionism. Uh, though I must say, I'd much rather listen to "Let Me Go Rock and Rock and Roll" live than I've had For enough sure. live. Then I've had enough into the fire live as shit. Well, what about the uh, the demo for "Let Me Go Rock and Roll"? Would you like to listen to that? We're not talking about that. Oh. We're not allowed to talk about that, Ken. That's exactly oh, what Ken, they're Ken saying. About... All right. Um, yeah. Let me go rock and roll. Even without it, uh, again, I, I like, you know, I've had enough of that song. Um, but I still think I enjoy Let Me Go Rock and Roll. It just, it's a rock and roll, you know, boogie kind of thing. You know, it's just, it's just good fun, fun, fun rock and roll. It's a jam. Um, yeah. And uh, that's the reason that they, you know, play it today still, so. That one, that one. Here's a freebie. That one is actually a song in the uh, season two or series two of demo stories, where it pops up. I can't remember. So that that one will come along. All right, Mark, tell us we're wrong again. Yes, you are all wrong. I, I stand. I stand by what I said earlier. Let me go rock and roll is just a two-minute throwaway song on that album, in my opinion. It's just a, it's all it is is just a simple twelve-bar blues song. You know that they had on their i mean come on they had it as early as like the first show it's probably gene probably wrote it in like five minutes i think he said something about that when he's working at that uh he had that job where he's working at the as a secretary the, somewhere the, the puerto and, rican interagency yes there you go yes <laughs> and i mean he probably wrote all the everything there in like five minutes on an acoustic guitar i mean c- compared to into Actually, the fire, he, he wrote it on a typewriter there there you go perfect so perfect. he I just think that it's not the same in quality. But but again, when you listen to it in the live capacity in a live, as on how they do in a live, sure, it gives it a whole new breath of life. It gives it a whole new energy, and it's a totally different thing. But on that record, 
it's no different than hearing some 12 bar blues song from, you know, George Thorogood or something, but it's, it's just so, I hate so, George Thorogood. <laughs> it's yeah. so, or, or it's like saying, that's like me saying as a Rush fan that In the Mood from the first Rush album is vastly superior to Tom Sawyer. No, it's not. It, it, but though, yet it's heralded as such a classic Rush song, but it's not It's not as good. It's just a simple, again, another A blues-based song. Oh, and I just don't think I just don't think it has the same quality to it. And just because it's in the '80s doesn't mean it's it's a bad thing, Julian. No, it's not a bad thing. No one's saying it is a bad no thing. Saying Everyone's saying that "Let Me Go" is just simply a better thing. Because Did they ever is... play that live? Not everybody said it though, especially the people in the who what, responded. In, in the mood? No, yeah. no, I've had enough. <laughs> yeah, they did. They played it a lot. Yeah, you know? different conversations. Yeah. 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 So, Mark, I don't okay, really remember it though. Mark, Working Man or Tom Sawyer? I still oh. think Tom Sawyer is is a is a better song. It is vastly better song. I mean, as much as I like Working Man, but really Working Man again is just a blues based song in E, and I and I like it. And the, and the version that they do on All the World's a Stage is fantastic. And and the studio the studio version is good too. But the writing quality is not anywhere as good as moving pictures no way not even close mm. i like working man i think it's a great song uh it's, it's just they're kind of two different styles i mean like you said one's blues and the other one's yeah more progressively yeah. yeah but sometimes uh you know anyone who listens it's, it's to the radio is sick of hearing tom good. sawyer <laughs> true they're both they're both good yeah, I'd rather, I'd rather listen to Working Man any day of the week, but there we go. All right, let's move on into uh, this. This other thread that came up was uh, was Gene Wright or Megaforce, Frehley's Comet leadoff single. Let me give you the context of this one. Um, and this comes from uh, VWMusicRocks.com. Looking back on the choices the Frehley's Comet team made the, and the album's initial reception, Eddie Trunk went... Eddie Trunk, have I triggered you? Anyone here triggered? Um, Eddie Trunk went on to say, when we put Frehley's Comet out, the reception was largely, largely positive, but there were a lot of people who thought we should have released Rock Soldiers as the first single instead of Into the Night. One of those people was Gene Simmons, who actually called the Megaforce offices and talked to Johnny Z about it. Johnny later told me that, and said that Gene had said something to the effect of, you guys blew it. I'm not sure you know what you're doing over there. This was Ace's reintroduction. The reintroduction should have been Rock Soldiers. It's funny because we had every intention for Rock Soldiers to be the second single, but Gene was like, no, you blew it. It should have been the lead single. And you know what? In retrospect, Gene was right. So Eddie says Gene is right, that Rock Soldiers should have been the, um, the first single. I'm going to time warp back to 1987. I was fucking thrilled with Into the Night, that video. It got really good rotation on MTV, and I loved the song. I actually got excited every time that video came on because I was finally seeing Ace, and I hadn't seen him in the magazines as much from the 85 tour or the time leading up to 87, so it was a, a real revelation to me. All of a sudden, he's got this album out. He's getting all this press. I didn't live in San Francisco at that time, so it didn't mean shit to me that the video was filmed here. Um, Ken, you were in California at that time, I think. What did you think? Is Gene right? It should have been Rock Soldiers to introduce Ace to the wider public? Or going with the Russell Ballad single and trying Ballard. to replicate? Russell Ballard. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... I, I agree with Gene, not because I like Gene, but I, I agree with Gene. Shocker. <laughs> but Rock Shoulders, I mean, I loved that song. First time I heard it, I thought it was great. I thought it was a lot better than Into the Night, the song. Uh, Into the Night is a definite different style song. It's obviously written by someone else, uh, Russ Ballard, who they thought, oh, well, you know, he had a hit with, uh, you know, New York Groove on the 70, but... That, that song kind of fit in the 80s style, but then, again, Rock Soldiers really fit into the, the hard rock, and I think it would have pulled in more of the hard rock uh, Ace fans um, that you would expect uh, you know, to hear. 
from Ace, these these songs that are heavier, uh, harder rocking. Um, I don't know. It, it It's a lot better to me than Into the Night, Rock Soldiers is. Um, I think they did a video also for Rock Soldiers, right, after that? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. But, yeah, I, I agree. I think Rock Soldiers is a better song. It would have been a better lead-off. They could have done Into the Night or even something else. Um after after that. I think they were trying to No, Calling to You was a was a promo single. Yeah. I, I think this is too much focus on the Russ Ballard kind of thing, like, oh we it's get another Russ Ballard song, you know, we made a hit out of the New York Groove is we could probably make another hit out of uh, Into the Night, a big hit, but I don't think it was got that high on the charts. No, when you think of them uh, bringing in Todd Howarth and putting Calling to You on, I mean, they were clearly going for that kind of sweet spot, which was, well, like White Snake 1987, look at Motley mm-hmm. Crue's shit in 1987, look at Poison, you know, look at everything that was coming out in the time, and they were very much going for that radio-friendly kind of niche. Dawkins under lock and key, you know, even though that was 85, Back for the Attack came out, you know, it was still very homogenized Lonnie did they get it right or is Gene right I think Gene is right while Into the Night is a great song um I think Rock Soldiers just works better for Ace's comeback song Ace is back and he told you so I mean I I, I think that just works better it's it's a catchy song Into the Night's good don't get me wrong I, I like Into the Night but I think to reintroduce Ace to the to the public, you know, Ace Frehley, here he is without makeup, back his first solo album, Frehley's Comet. You know, talks about you know his car accident, devil sitting beside him, Ace is back, and he told you so. I think that just speaks volumes, and I actually. And I really agree with Gene that I think I just think it's a no-brainer that that should have been the lead single and Ace's reintroduction into mainstream rock. It it just really makes sense. I think Gene's one hundred percent right. Well, Into the Night is good, and I and I understand it, but I think Rock Soldiers one hundred percent should have been the lead single. All right, Mark. I got. Oh, I got. I got to say before you go that when you were flashing up the video of Into the Night, it was making me think of Neil Young. Neil Young. Rocking in the free world. There's oh a, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Right. Woman in the night by an old garbage can by an old by an, under a street light baby in her hand. Yeah. All right. Um, I, I'm going to be the, the 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 opposite voice again here. I really think that Into the Into the Night was. I think it was a good good idea. I mean. But I think that they went in with that thinking exactly what you were thinking. At that time period, that 80s time period, those kind of songs were immensely popular. Like you mentioned, the Doc and these other kinds of bands who had these kind of songs out around and that were being played a lot on um, video stations around the world. And, you know, and you look at this video, the first thing that made me smile was that horrendous Washburn guitar that he was playing at the time. There, that Ooh, the AF-40 piece guitar. of shit that wouldn't stay in oh. tune. That thing was terrible, but you know it was a big hype. I remember it was in every guitar magazine. Everybody was showing it off, and it's, you know, I think they wanted to to make Ace come out with something that they thought. I'm not talking about the radio, not the radio, but maybe the radio, but the record people thought were a more kind of serious look at Ace. Because to me, now I know I'm going to get egged when I say this. When I hear Rock Soldiers, it's a good song. But to me, it kind of comes off to me as kind of like a shtick song, you know, like, you know, Ace is back and he told you so. I'm just waiting for like like some clown thing in the background coming after it, you know, and, you know, like the devil has to play without an ace in the deck. It's so that thing alone is makes it makes it unserious to me when I hear something like that. It's like so tacky, that whole thing. But you, you know what? Years gone by, we loved this song. It's a, it's a song that we identify with Ace. But I think back then, remember, remember, this guy's been out of the picture for so long at that time. They probably wanted to bring him back, made him a real viable artist in their eyes. And 
maybe musically and lyrically they felt that it was a stronger representation of what they wanted Ace to be then than some song that had these kind of little shtick moments in it, you know? That's why I kind of thought it might be a good reason for why they did it that way, you know? Gene loves shtick. I mean, half his songwriting is cheesy stuff like that, you know? Yeah, I, I didn't think it was cheesy back then when it when it came out. I huh. thought oh, I thought it was cool. I thought it was cool. I, was, oh, I never thought it was cool. good. It was, yeah, well, back then I thought it was. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I can see your point now. You know, it's like, yeah, it's a, maybe a little bit. But uh, back then, when you're, you know, I was younger and, and listened to that and it's into that music, uh, mm-hmm. and and waiting for Ace to come back, I thought that was you know kind of a cool little thing they did. Yeah, because yeah, you're probably like, oh yes, finally. Here he is. But didn't you, know? you think that when they came out with Into the Night? I mean, I was happy when Into the Night came yeah, out. I mean... It was, you know, any any song, any new song from Ace, you know, was going to be uh, imp- important. Uh, well, know, it was the, it was the, the first one. new song from Ace. Yeah, yeah. And, but, uh, you know, but thinking about which song could have been first, I, I, I still say, you know, Rock Soldiers would have worked better. Exact, I think for a me, lot of this. I think a lot of this we have like revisionist history for because now we love this song so much that to us is like a no-brainer. Why didn't they do that? But you know, back then when nobody had that sort of thought about that song, many many years later, you know, think put put yourself in their shoes around a boardroom table with all these execs thinking, what are we going to put out first for Ace? You know, I don't, I don't know. Like, well, okay, okay, okay. Wait, what year did Freely's Camera come out? Eighty-seven. Eighty-seven. Yeah, right? I think it was that. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't aware. I was, I was eight years old. I'm not aware of the fact that Fraley's Town is coming out. I'm eight years old. So years later, I go and buy Fraley. I go and buy Fraley's Comet, and I'm a teenager. Okay, and I then I find out that Into the Night was the lead single off this, and not Rock Soldiers. I was surprised because Rock Soldiers makes perfect sense to be the lead single. And that's not revisionist history. That that's me as like fifteen years old, like listening to it, the album for the first time. Like, why wasn't that the lead single? That makes total sense. Ace is back, and he told you so. I don't care if it's cheesy or not, because it's nineteen eighty-seven. It made it would have made perfect sense. It's a lot of cheesy stuff, and right. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it, 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 it's 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 all it's all cheesy in in hindsight. All the hair People wanted it cool though. They didn't want cheese. I mean, people thought that's something. You know, they were looking for cool. like. Look at when when Guns came the out. Asylum uh, outfits were cool in '86. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm talking about like look at look at Guns and Roses for example. When they came out okay. for Appetite, people thought that it was the coolest thing ever. When they came out, you know, they were more, you know, down to earth. They were more. They looked more. They gave birth. They gave birth to a whole look that's and movement so because once. Though. Once, yeah. you, once you had Guns N' Roses out, everyone was doing it. Circus of Power, crazy. Zodiac Mind Work with the that chic leather. So <laughs> yeah, but I'm just saying, like, I'm not saying that, see, don't get me wrong with this. I'm not saying Rock Soldiers is, is, is a terrible song. I'm saying that from their perspective for releasing an artist to them who is now technically new, the guy was away for 10 years. Nobody heard boo from this guy for so long. Last thing they heard, he crashed his car. Okay, so... And he was in the Where Are They Now files for the longest time. So they, they were trying to re, re-kickstart his career. Maybe they thought that that was a stronger material to go through. I mean, like I said, sure, Lonnie, maybe when you first heard it the first time, you might have thought that this is the greatest song and that it, it would have been a, a great first single. But, you know, maybe other people didn't think that way, you know? A lot of those times, those guys sitting around the table get it wrong. They get it wrong a lot. Oh yeah, of course. Just like 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 picking Shandy for a single, off of Unmasked instead of like Tomorrow or something. I mean, they've done it a lot of times with a lot of bands. Oh yeah, you you've seen it. I know you've seen it. Oh, I, I, I know. It's like numerous times it's been wrong. Yeah, they, you know, it happens, and I think there it happened too. Yeah, revisionism is a very dangerous thing because if he released <laughs> Rock Soldiers, all of us now would say. Well, he didn't remember shit in 1983, so the song's not factually correct in the first place, you know. So, yeah. it, it it's there impossible. It's impossible for me to go back because of the excitement I felt at just seeing Ace Frehley, 
mm-hmm. you know, with a song in 1987, with a cool yeah. video, with what I thought was a cool guitar. Did I know at the time that the Washburn AF40 is a piece of shit? No, I thought it was badass, yeah, and he looked exactly. really cool. Did I know that Richie Scarlet had been in a lineup with Ace at the time and had been an even harder sounding Frehley's Comet, which had been replaced with someone from basically Cheap Trick? No, mm-hmm. I didn't know any of that. So it, it's all pointless. They did the best job that they could in 1987 after blame Bon Jovi. How about that? Bon Jovi shifted the landscape. So blame mm-hmm. them. White Lions coming out with weight and all that stuff. You know, Ozzy's done, you know, shot in the dark. Everyone's falling into the same goddamn trap, just like Kiss mm-hmm. did with Crazy Nights, you know, trying to emulate that for mm-hmm. mega sales. So, yeah. there we go. All right, Vinny Vincent. <laughs> Who wants to talk about Vinny? You know, it was. Uh, Did we talk about him last week? Well, had he had he uh, put out his list of uh, demands? I mean, releases <laughs> that he plans on uh, releasing. Uh, Vinny Vincent, Judgment Day, Guitar Mageddon Part One, going to press soon. Guitar Mageddon Two, early mid twenty, early mid twenty four. What the fuck's early mid twenty four mean? Um, Maybe. Then maybe it's the rain, 2024 <laughs> release date. I guess that's the ballads of any Vincent. And then he's going to do, uh, oh, that's got over you. I'm on fire for you. Forbidden gypsy. Maybe it's the rain. My love goes with you. That's a good song. Tears. Good song. Young blood. Good song. Unconditional. Not heard that. Ooh, I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover. Plus many more. The premiere of new single Sophia. That sounds Oh, wait, Gene's daughter. He wants back and kiss. Um, plus, Vinnie Vincent plays the blues. All right, Mark, how how much money are you going to uh, gamble that any of these happen? And do any of them interest you? First of all, none of them interest me. Not, I mean, the, the, o- the only one I would maybe be interested in hearing just because... Just how you, when you just said it now, the first reactions I had when you saw it was like, oh my God, I put my hand in my face, uh, my, sorry, my face in my hands was uh, the blues thing. Honestly, really, blues? I mean, he's, he's giving me no evidence that he knows how to play blues. I'm sure he can, but everything that he's been known for is about shred and blistering fast stuff. You know, I would be amazed if he put out a record of, you know, tasteful blues playing. But again, I'm not keeping my, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, keeping my hopes up for that. Just like I'm not keeping my hopes up for anything else that was announced here. I mean, didn't he take money already from people for some sort of a box set box CD set thing? Back. No, never, never, never happened. <laughs> you know, and, and that hasn't been released either. So the, mm. the, the fact that this guy has the gull to ask for money again for something when he hasn't given out something that he already took money for, kind of like Dubai, you know, when you when you when you take money from somebody and you don't get the product, and we're not talking about like twenty dollars, we're talking about hundreds of dollars, yeah, or or magic, for example, hundreds of dollars spent, nothing given in return, you know, you you know, fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice, you know, th- uh, sorry, fool, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. So I don't want to be the you know shame on me person. Uh, not that I bought any of that. I didn't buy Magic to be to be honest with you. I never put money in for that, luckily. And I haven't put in for any Vinnie Vincent box set either. So I feel comfortable in saying that I'm not going to put any money in for any of his stuff because I don't I don't know if it would ever see the light of day. I feel terrible for people who are now rubbing their hands and saying. I can't wait to drop a hundred dollars for these upcoming Vinnie Vincent things, because will they see it all? Will they truly? I mean, that—that's just my opinion. I mean, voice of reason. Am I wrong? Well, hundred bucks. Yeah, you are wrong. You think Vinnie's going to charge hundred bucks? <laughs> Only hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, you know, I agree with you. I'm not. I don't think anything's for sale yet. But he's promising a lot of stuff to come out. Um, and he's promised stuff before, and uh, we've yet to see anything, you know, yeah. the light of day of anything. Even a snippet, snippet of a, you know, a thirty-second snippet of a new song would be would be 
you know, some proof encouraging uh, that, that there's something coming. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I won't believe it at all until I actually, you know, see it or hear it. Lonnie. Well, back in 2018, Julian, we were told that the people who purchased the box set <laughs> yeah. would receive two box sets and it would be coming out in 2018. Well, it's 2023. Can't there is COVID no on that shit. Uh, I, I guess we can because COVID hit two, year, two years later. We can blame COVID for that. So... I I'm I often say on this show that when you like when a when a vinyl release comes out and Ken and I scramble to make sure that we get it, you know, that I always say, Well, yeah, I bought it. I'm a sucker. Um I'm not a sucker for this. And I do come to Vinny's defense a lot on this show because I think he has some some demons in that and I think we need to be understanding that, that everybody in this world has demons that they're dealing with, but I cannot justify to myself or my wife or family or anything that I'm going to just drop money on some on a promise. And I I, I can't be responsible myself to do that, um, knowing history. Yeah, you know, thank and you. It's, and it's the same thing. Like I and. and and I'm not going to let Kiss off the hook on this either. It's the same thing that I brought up on the show a couple weeks ago. That if we're going to if we're going to announce uh, the final Kiss show ever, and here's the pay per view link, well, I'm not going to do that either because I have seen a history. Yeah, and it, mm-hmm. they go hand yeah. in hand to me. Well, I was going to say thank you for you know being honorable. And defending that he probably does have some issues going on because that sure. is, you know, that is righteous and it is good to remember. No one knows what's going on um, with Vinnie Vincent. Go to his events. He's pulling off these events. Keep that in mind. People are going to them. And mm-hmm. while you don't get a lot of reports out of them, they're clearly taking place. And, you know, if they're not to your liking because you're not getting that information, well, that's just too bad. You can always go to one and find out for yourself if you really have to have the answer. Um, You know, 2018, there was a lot of hope about what was going to happen. I'm not going to rehash it. What I will say is, you know, all of those interest me because I know Vinny is a much more tasteful player than that style by which he is more known for playing when you look back at what he was doing in the 70s. Um, I've not heard that playing and I'd like to hear more of that style of playing. If any of those products are ever available for order from a reputable third party for credit card processing and fulfillment, I will certainly be in. But if I'm sending a check to a P.O. box um, or to some sycophant in a Facebook group that's closed to the broader public, then fuck it, I'm not going to do it. you know, I've been burned. I've been burned by Kiss with Dubai. I've been burned by Ross with Magic. I've been burned mm-hmm. by other people in the Kiss community. Mm-hmm. And it simply is not fucking worth my money getting burned again. Um, I hope he does. I really do hope that he does come through with some of these things. Because I would like to hear new music. I love to have a crystal clear copy of Guitar Mageddon or Guitars from Hell, whatever you want to call it. I actually love that stuff. I liked where he was going with Euphoria, the EP. I enjoyed it, or at least I did at the time. Now, you know, I'm trying to think of the last time I listened to Ingve. It's uh, going on a little bit. I've been listening to more Joe Satriani of late for that sort of playing. So we'll have to wait and see. All right, last topic from the board this week for this episode is a quote from a Chris a Kiss Crazy fanzine from 1992. Um, Pam Rosenberg from Polygram tells me that you're going to do a video shoot here in the UK. So that gives you some idea of when that interview took place uh, during the May 92 UK tour. 
Paul Stanley, yeah, I Just Want It is the single. Well, it's really the first single. Unholy, technically, is a track for album radio, whereas the first single is really thought of as, well, you know, you get all these categories, not that any of them matter, but that was it, and I Just Wanna was going to be the first real single. No matter what you call them, it's all radio, that all that counts. Okay, so Paul Stanley tap dancing on a landmine trying to make it sound like Unholy wasn't the first single to revenge, Lonnie. Um, what was the first single to revenge, Lonnie? It's Unholy. Everyone knows it's Unholy. We all saw the video for Unholy prior to the album's release. It's Unholy. You know, obviously, Paul was a little butthurt that it was Unholy. A little? Not I just want. And obviously more than a little. You know, I, I like I Just Want. And I've said this on the show multiple times. I really like that song. And I know other people don't. They think it's really, you know, just cheesy and tongue-in-cheek and this and that or whatever. I really like I Just Want. But Unholy is the first single. It is the first song on the album. And, and right, rightfully so. When was the last time a Gene song was the first song on the album? I mean... It's there for it's there for a reason, because it's the lead single. Yeah, it's, I I just want to leak to radio first. Actually, um, leaked. I wonder why it leaked. Probably the moment that Unholy was selected to be the first single. I just want to leak somehow. Hmm. Think about that. All right, Ken. Paul come, Stanley being Paul Stanley. <laughs> you gonna you uh, gonna come to Gene's defense here? Gene's defense, or Paul's defense. Uh, no, no one's yeah. coming to Paul's defense, I don't think. No, no I mean, yeah, Unholy is the the first single. Um, yeah, and he starts talking about formats, you know, the radio formats. So he's think, saying, oh, well, you know, Unholy is like, a, I guess, a, probably like an FM kind of track. It's not a real single kind of thing, and it's, like uh, I don't think uh, I I just wanted I was gonna play on AM radio or something back then. I, was, I wouldn't make it. So yeah, I think his like you said his butt was a little bit hurt, um, not having the lead single like he usually has. Um, you know, other time was I love it loud, um, back from Creatures before that, but uh, for Gene. So yeah, you know I I don't know what the big deal was. I, it was just unholy. Everyone knew it was unholy. That's the first thing I saw, the first thing I heard. Um, yeah, I just want to... It wouldn't make sense as the first single in, in any way, in my opinion. But Yeah, whatever. I remember reading that, episode, that, that issue of Kiss Crazy, and that never resonated with me. Be, uh, that part of the interview. I'm, I'm like, I've even looked up the uh, release codes on the promo singles. Uh, I just wanted with CDP 707. And unholy was six six six. I like that. <laughs> but yeah, I'd, I'd have to go back. But I, I certainly remember. I just want to being leaked to radio. Uh, Mark, is it defensible what Paul is saying there uh, on any technical level? Absolutely not. I mean, it makes me think it must be really difficult to be friends with Paul Stanley. I mean, he's one of these guys that strikes me as you know. If something goes right for you, he still has sour grapes about it. You know, the guy had every possible first single off the records for years. Finally, Gene does something right, makes a good single. They give him the benefit of, you know, making it the first single. And the man has sour grapes like you wouldn't believe about it. I mean, really? I mean, could you imagine Paul Stanley as like a young kid and you're like playing with him in the playground and, you know, you, you do like just the things that kids normally do like you ha you have like some little like competition you know on the monkey bars or something and he's one millionth of a second late he would probably find every possible excuse to say no he technically didn't grab that one bar like i did correctly so it, that, that that shouldn't cause a, a call for a win there i should be like, he just sounds like that kind of a guy total sour grapes wants the glory for himself all the time and doesn't even you know he doesn't even acknowledge the fact that Gene wrote a really good song for an album that they desperately needed to do well at the time. I mean, it's, like I said, I'll just leave it at that. He must be incredibly hard to be friends with this guy. Imagine going bowing with Paul Stanley. Strike! 
No, Paul, you only hit one of them. No, it was a strike! <laughs> I saw I struck down. one pin. Or baseball with Paul. It was a home run. No, it was another strikeout. The ball's here. <laughs> no, it isn't. That's a different ball. All right. No. You see, it's over there. So, sorry, Paul. Um, unholy was the first single. And it was... But you know what? At least you had the hits. I mean, come on. You wrote most of the hits. Gene, not so much. And you wrote God of Thunder. Don't forget that. All right, there we go. This week's uh, episode was some topics from the board. What do you think about all the topics that we've talked about? Chime in with your comments wherever you're listening to or watching this show. And as always, thank you for joining us. Thank you for all the comments when we go live. We'll be back with the next live episode probably soon. I have no idea what our schedule it looks like in terms of episodes coming up. Who knows? But hopefully if we do do a show, you will uh, join us. And if not... If you didn't like this episode, make sure you check out the latest podcast because that's a really fun one, I think. All right, for now, from Ken, from Mark, from Lonnie, myself, thanks for joining us. Celebrate the 50th anniversary of Kiss any which way you want to. Just make sure to include some Kiss music. Rock on. Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.